Welcome to the Gloria Purvis podcast, where we talk about the issues in the Catholic Church and in society that matter to you and to me. And I'm glad you're here to have that conversation with me. My guest today is Natalie Wilson. Natalie Wilson and her sister-in-law, Derricka Wilson, are the founders of the Black and Missing Foundation, Incorporated. The Black and Missing Foundation, Incorporated, is a Maryland-based nonprofit that was founded to help in searching for missing people of color when police and the media fall short. For Catholics, this is a pro-life issue. You might be saying, how? What what do you mean pro-life? Well, I want you to broaden your understanding of pro-life to include issues outside the womb, to include the issue of human dignity. And we see with the Black and Missing Foundation, when you delve into the subject matter, you see that it's a variety of issues that undermine and attack Black life. It's not just police violence, it's police neglect. It's mental health issues that haven't been properly addressed. It's how our children are viewed and treated by a system that's supposed to protect them. I mean, it's alarming when you look at the numbers for people of color who are missing, that white cases are four times more likely to be resolved than the cases of people of color who are missing, the large percentage of missing cases who are made up of people of color. So in proportion to our existence in the American population, we are the disproportionate number of missing people, and yet we don't have the same resources addressed to our missing cases. The late Gwendolyn Eiffel called it missing white woman syndrome. When a white woman goes missing, how everybody pays attention and seems to be quite alarmed by this missing white woman, particularly if she's attractive. And yet we don't see nearly the same kind of attention on Black and missing people, children and adults. And I want to talk with Natalie Wilson to help us find out what goes on in her work how we might be able to get involved, and how she sustains herself in doing what she does. It's a very deep conversation, so deep that HBO did a docu-series on the Black and Missing Foundation. And if you get a chance to check that out, I would suggest you do. But start here by listening to this podcast episode I do with Natalie so you can find out more about her as a person and the work that she's doing. The Gloria Purvis Podcast is a production of America Media, where real, honest conversations are happening on the most important issues at the intersection of the church and the world. And that's unique. You may not agree with everything we publish or even everything we talk about on this podcast. And that's okay. That's healthy. We need to listen to each other and be open to different ideas and perspectives. So if this podcast is meaningful to you, please support it by getting a digital subscription to America. How do you do that? Go to americamagazine.org slash subscribe and sign up today. The link is in the show notes. Stick around. My conversation with Natalie Wilson is up next. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me on the Gloria Purvis podcast. Thank you for having me. You know, I am 
first came across the Black and Missing Foundation from the docuseries on HBO. And also because Allison Seymour, who was a board member, is a personal friend of mine. Yeah, she has roots in Charleston, South Carolina. So she was friends with my older sister. So she's like a big sister to me. Wonderful person. She is. And, you know, I have to say you're a wonderful person, too, for what you're doing with Mm -hmm. this. I mean, this very necessary work. You know, for some of our listeners, they may not even know there's such a thing as why we'd be concerned about Black and missing people. I know when you started your foundation more than, what, 14, 15 years by now? So next month, May 24th, will be 14 years. My God, time Uh, flies. Does it not? (laughs) And at the time when you started, the numbers, the, the statistics on the percentage of the missing population that was Black was a little bit smaller, still large, but it's grown. Can you go over the stats for my listeners as to what it is now versus what it was when you started 14 years ago? Sure. Well, if you don't mind, I want to give a little background as to who we are. Sure, please. Okay. So the inspiration behind the Black and Missing Foundation is the story of Tamika Houston. And she disappeared from Derricka's hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, And, you know, it was really disheartening to us that her family really struggled to get national media coverage on her disappearance. And Lori Hacking disappeared weeks after Tamika. And guess what? She received around the clock coverage. Mm. And her aunt, meaning Tamika's aunt, Rebecca, reached out to those same reporters, same networks, same programs, and there was no interest in Tamika's story at all. So when Derek and I heard about this, we decided to do some research, but we really had no idea how lopsided the numbers were as they pertain to missing Americans. And at that time, 30% of all persons missing were of color, and they were primarily Black males. And of course, they didn't attract any media coverage at all. I mean, we know the name of Natalie Holloway, Chandra Levy, and now, you know, Gabby Petito. Yeah. And we were really disheartened about it. So we wanted to use our expertise. I'm in media relations or public relations and Derricka's in law enforcement to bring about change. And if you fast forward to today, missing persons of color make up 40% of the missing persons population. How disheartening is that? 40% of all persons missing today are persons of color. And again, we don't know their names. We don't know the Quiche Jacobs, you know, the Ariana Fitz, the Miss Golden, who is missing out of St. Louis. We don't know their names, the Jonathan Bandabelia. So what we're trying to do is to change the narrative that these are our missing mothers and fathers, sisters, brothers, you know, and they're valuable members of our community. You know, to me, there were a couple of things that were in my mind when I was learning more about Black and missing. And one was, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter and people understand police brutality, but there's another aspect of policing where we want Black Lives Matter to well, and that's in terms of missing persons. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think that we battle against is the centuries of myth-making around Blackness as being criminal and all these negative things, Mm -hmm. which impacts people's attitudes about going to find us. And I saw that so clearly in your work with Black and Missing that you are trying to get people to care. And I think one of the first things you say is how we're classified 
when a family goes to the police and says, our family member is missing, it matters how the police classifies that person. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So what we're finding, and this is from speaking to family members or, you know, families who have missing children. When their child is reported missing, they're often classified as a runaway. So if you're classified as a runaway, you do not receive the Amber Alert or any type of media coverage at all. And there's also this stereotype that if you're a person of color, you're in some type of you know, deviant behavior, you're a criminal or you're a thug, you're a burden on society. And that type of behavior is acceptable or it happens in that community. And again, it's trying to change the narrative that this is an issue that's affecting our nation and awareness is key. And we need to get that media coverage for these missing individuals. One, because it alerts the community that someone is missing and they can be recovered quickly. But two, it puts pressure on law enforcement to add resources to the case. If you Mm. look at the case of Gabby Petito, look how much tax dollars they used to help find her. And they added resources, you know, from dogs searching to, you know, just a whole recovery effort. Yeah. If you look at Daniel Robinson, his dad had to raise funds for support and the basic items that he needed or the basic resources that he needed. So people won't even know who Daniel Robinson is. I can tell you right now, they're probably like, who is that? What's that about? And sadly, Daniel Robinson is a young man, a geologist missing out of Arizona. He went to work and that's the last time he was seen. And his dad is advocating for him as we are to help find him. You know, and just last week we were working with a mother Mm-hmm. whose daughter was missing out of Houston. And she said to us when she went to the police department to report her 19-year-old daughter missing, the police officer said, well, how do you know she's not laid up with some man? Oh, and The mother said that she had to step away, turn around, get herself together, and then come back to talk to the officer. So, I mean, it, the initial interaction with law enforcement should not be like that. This right. child is missing. Help me. And yeah, exactly. There's something else that struck me very much is when you mentioned about um, Black children, one of the comments that really stood out to me that has been haunting me, if you will, from the docuseries is, are they really even viewed as children by mm-hmm. police? Are Black children? And it seems like the answer there is no. I know you're a woman of faith because I don't see how else anybody could sustain themselves in this. But how do you sustain yourself with being able to advocate? And also in a way, you you all also comfort the families that are going through these this trauma. I mean, where does this come from to be able to do this for 14 years? You know, we we look at it. It could be us. It could be our family member that's missing. Mm. And we have to do our part. Again, you know, my role is to get media coverage for these Mm. families. And how can I say to a family member, you know, I ran into an obstacle. The media wouldn't cover it. So I'm giving up. I can't. We can't give up on these families. Many times we are their last resort. 
And what we're trying to do is bring about change where we want our missing to be household names too. And we want our children to be seen as victims. And that's the issue that you mentioned earlier. They are adultified and they're not seen as victims. They are victims of sex trafficking, mental health challenges, abuse. And we need to protect them and get them the resources that they need. But we also have to fill our cup up and we have to, you know, just stay full of life and know that what we're doing is helping a family. And to know that when we get a call, you know, a young lady or young man or someone is found, oh my God, to know the smiles and the relief that's on a family member face and they can sleep at night. Yes, yes. Because the unknown is the most difficult part of this whole journey. I remember a mother saying when she drives by the highway and she sees a black trash bag, she's like, oh my God, is my daughter in there? Oh, Oh my goodness. What I, mm. or is she, has she been fed? Does she have her glasses? Is she being abused? So there's so many unknowns and we've had family members to say, you know what? I was giving up. I wanted Mm -hmm. to commit suicide, but we walk alongside them and say, you know what, let's fight together and just hold on. Let's take it a step at a time and let's get through today and we'll see what tomorrow brings and we'll fight again tomorrow. Our Holy Father, Pope Francis, one of the things he has said over and over is that we need to accompany people on the margins. And to me, that's exactly what you and Derica with the Black and Missing Foundation are doing. One of the things also I noticed is that the HBO docuseries was headed by four women of color producers and add in Soledad O'Brien, who's also a woman of color. How did you get Soledad O'Brien on board with the docuseries? Was actually Soledad got us on board in a quick story. Uh. <laughs> we Soledad saw us in 2017 at the Black Girls Rock. And uh-huh. We were awarded the Community Change Agent Award. Mm-hmm. And she saw us and she reached out and she said, hey, you know, I, I want to provide a bird's eye view as to the challenges that you all face in getting law enforcement and the media to help with these cases. And to be quite honest with you, we were very skeptical, not because of Soledad. I mean, she is an amazing producer and person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but to have the cameras on you. It's, it's, you have to step back and say, okay, do I really want this? Yeah. But then we realize that it's not about us. It's about the families that we serve and we need to have platforms to tell their stories. And we want our community to get involved and to help us find our missing. We can't do this work by ourselves. It takes the media, it takes law enforcement and the community. And we know that there's a sense of distrust between law enforcement and the minority community. So we have an anonymous tip line and we look like the community that we serve. So we want more people to get involved. And I just want to also add the social media aspect of it. What we're finding is that oftentimes, if you're not affected by this, you tend to turn a blind eye. Right. Again, this is a valuable member of our community and be our digital milk carton and help these cases to go viral. Because all it takes is one person to come forward that can help reunite a family or most importantly, provide closure for family members that are looking for their loved one. One of the things that I noticed is you all not only do the social media, but 
it looks like you also have posters and stuff. Did you actually go in the communities and hand out flyers and put things up on bus stops or whatever, wherever someone might see this person's face in that community? That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, so what we also do is we create flyers for family members. Can you imagine how frustrating it is when your loved one is missing and you don't know what to do? Yes. You know, we're meeting families at the worst points in their lives. So we're helping them through the process and creating a flyer is one of them. What we're also finding is that when law enforcement doesn't take the police report, families are taking the matters into their hands and they're creating their own flyers. Well, guess what? They're putting their own personal information on there and people are now scamming them. Yes. They're calling them for ransom and make, you know, doing these pranks, which is so Exactly. Just evil. evil. Yes. So we're holding the family's hand and walking them through the process and flyer creation is one of them. We'll be back in a minute. So I know that you and Derricka, which to me just blows my mind, you do this in addition to holding full-time jobs. And I want to fundraise you out of your job so you can do this. Thank you. But has the exposure from the HBO docu-series changed for the, the Black and Missing Foundation at all? Absolutely. I will say that the media and law enforcement, they're taking a look at themselves and saying, how can we do this better? And they're even contacting us and inviting us into the newsroom, into, you know, the law enforcement departments to say, hey, help us. Because again, it's a partnership. And our community, to be quite frank, they're also coming on board. When we first started the organization, sex trafficking was an issue. Mm -hmm. But sadly, many in our communities thought that it was happening abroad in Russia and China, different places. No, it's happening in our backyards. Yeah. So, you know, we're, again, changing that mindset and people are now recognizing the issue and they want to and they are joining forces with us to help us find us. So, you know, one of the things that to me is striking is when you talk to families, how you actually have the pictures of their loved one in front of you. That to me was so powerful when I saw that because it made it clear how deeply connected you are to the families and to this missing person. I'm wondering if there's any like success story you could share and maybe give them a background of the missing person and how it was resolved. Just any, any one of them. Okay. A couple of weeks ago in Maryland, there were two young ladies, 13 years old. They got in trouble in school and they were scared to go home. So they ended up at a friend's house After being there a couple of days, the mother decided to kick these two young ladies out and they were on the street. And (laughs) from being on the street, they were lured and, you know, things happened to them. Yeah. But because of the media coverage, we have a partnership with a local TV station in the D.C. area and they cover that story and law enforcement really added resources to the case. And then a vigilant resident saw these young ladies and called the parent and they were able to be rescued. So again, it showed everyone working together. You know, I had an experience where I was at a 
rest stop when I was traveling and I saw these two young black girls. They looked like they were maybe four and seven. Mm. And I went on the web and I saw that girls of that same description and age were missing. And I actually called that local police department that had been looking for them. We followed the car that had these little girls, gave the tag. Oh, yes. But I felt like the people I was talking to were just so uninterested. I felt like I had to press, press, press. What do you suggest for those listeners that may get involved and and have a tip, but find that law enforcement's kind of like, meh? You know, if law enforcement, again, contact law enforcement, but also contact the Black and Missing Foundation so that we can get that information to law enforcement We need our community to get involved. We need our community to be our eyes and ears. And sadly, we hear that all the time. Just again, last week with that case with a 19-year-old, the mother was saying how disinterested law enforcement was. They were like, okay, we have tons of missing people. And so what? And she was so heartbroken. It's not, and so what? You need to do something about it. So thank you for being, you know, vigilant and and wanting to do something about it. But again, we know that there's a sense of distrust between the minority community and law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. Contact the Black and Missing Foundation at BAMFI.org to yeah. report. Thank you for that. I, I will think about that. Hopefully I don't have a situation. Hopefully that, you know, uh, I just, it was so my spider senses and the way the little girls were acting mm-hmm. and the way the people, the adults with them were acting, they were clearly unrelated. It just sent my spider senses. So now I know I have one other place to contact as well. Were they rescued? I have no idea because I'm telling you, police were not, they didn't call me back. I I mm. called and called and left. I mean, this was a several years ago. And mm-hmm. I called and called and left voicemails. I talked to a 911 operator in the city we were driving through. I said, we're following them right now. They're getting off of this exit. Here's the tag number. Here's the make and model. Here's the number of people in the van. Here's where the little, the little girl, everything. And they took it down. But I said, please, somebody, y'all call me back. if you, I make myself available. It's been years now. I've never heard anything back. Nothing. Oh, wow. But I take some comfort in at least trying to do something. One other thing that I think listeners probably don't know is, well, I should say are the various ways you listed mental health, domestic violence, uh, sexual trafficking. But there's another aspect of this where men in particular, Black men can be missing from the family. It's death or incarceration. And people don't take into account the Black men can become missing from the family due to unjust police practices. Mm-hmm. Could you help our listeners maybe understand what is meant by that? Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, there are so many Black men that are missing and it's under the radar, but they are also missing because of incarceration. And, you know, sadly, the narrative is Black men are the perpetrators of crime. Many times they are the victims of crime. And because they are a man, no one is really taking it seriously. Yeah, I agree. um, As uh, somebody has many, many Black men in her family, some of whom are also law enforcement, the attitudes and the ways in which they are approached is really frightening to me. And how Mm -hmm. easily they can be taken in, held, 
it has been shocking to me and there's nothing that they can do mm-hmm. if a police officer so deems that they're going to take a person in. How do you go about when you are working with the police and trying to bring about change? How do you talk about this? How do you frame this so that police officers can understand the Black and missing situation? Well, I think what we're trying to tell them is that we're not trying to step on your toes or take Mm. over your case. Mm. We are here to help you. We are here to partner with you and particularly to get extra eyes, meaning media coverage or social media coverage that can help solve the case. And we've had law enforcement agencies that have reached out to us and say, hey, I need your help. And we have a number of media partnerships that we can tap into to get, again, that media coverage or extra eyes on the case. And awareness is key. How can our listeners help with this? So a couple of things. One, be our digital milk carton. Help these cases to go viral just because it isn't your loved one who's missing. Don't turn a blind eye to it. You know, like and share these profiles because we send them out every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And we are a nonprofit organization that needs funding. Derek and I, as you mentioned, have full-time jobs, so we're not taking a salary from the organization, but we do need to scale up. Our caseload has increased tremendously. You'll be surprised during the pandemic, you would think our caseload would decrease. It has increased. Mm. Mm. And with the docu-series, it has also increased. So if we can get the financial support from our community, from our elected leaders, we can scale up and have the right people in place and the resources to help these families from investigators to counselors, to therapists, to case managers, to really build up the organization. Well, I'm so happy to hear that it isn't just, oh, we've helped you resolve your your situation with your family member. It's no, we we understand that this was a trauma. So whether we find them alive or we've gotten closure by recovering a body or whatever it is, Black and Missing Foundation is there to still help families with getting that after resolution care. Absolutely. They become our families. You know, recently there is a young lady who is caring for her niece and We helped, you know, to find her missing niece. And what we're realizing is there's so many systemic issues that's bubbling up, that's causing, you know, people to go missing. Her aunt, who's the caregiver, needed a job. So we're trying to help her, you know, financially. Hey, how can we get you in a good place? So, you know, economics, um, housing, any type of resources that we can assist with, we are there. And again, they become part of our family. We hold their hands. Sometimes we don't even say anything. We just listen to them cry. Sometimes mm. we're even crying with them. And, yeah. I, and I, I always apologize. I'm like, I know this is so unprofessional of me, but your case is so heartbreaking. It breaks my heart and I want to help you. So, you know, we do it with love. We do it with love. Oh, that. I I imagine, I know that's got to be the key. And what I'm hoping people hear in my talking to you, that it stirs something in their heart, that they want to in some way, because it's so easy for us to be so detached from 
other people's situations or just see Mm -hmm. this face and say, oh, that's sad and keep scrolling or keep moving. Mm -hmm. But I Mm -hmm. hope we can get people to stop and say, I'm going to share this. It can be the one thing I can do to help is at least to share this, even if it's not in my community. They're like, oh, I don't live in so-and-so place. I don't Mm -hmm. need to share this, but help them understand why it's important. Even if somebody's not quote from your community, you know, locally, they don't live in your area. Why would still be important to share the information about a missing person? You know, we travel from DC to New York and within two and a half hours on the Acela train, which by the way, they never ask for any ID. Mm -hmm. We are in a different location. So think about if someone goes missing from DC, they're in New York, an unfamiliar area. So someone may be walking on the streets of New York and recognize that person. They have valuable information that can help recover that person, that missing Mm -hmm. person. And we just need one individual to come forward to help find them. Just one person could hold the key. So in other words, for people, just because they're in your area doesn't mean they're still in your area. Yeah, they could be anywhere. They could be anywhere. So to share it, we want to get as many eyeballs on this person's face and looking out to say, hey, maybe this is that person. Let me call in a tip and let me help in Mm -hmm. some way. I think that's important too. Well, if there were one thing or maybe two things you'd want that we haven't covered so far that you'd want to share with my listeners, please, by all means, do so. I want to share four words with your listeners. Help us find us. Help us find us. Beautiful. Is it? That's, that's to me, that, that can be a t-shirt. Help us find us. <laughs> it is. And if you it go is. to our website, that's our go tagline. Go to our website, B-A-M-F-I.org. Let's start with your community. See who's missing from your state. Amen. One question. Is there going to be a season two on HBO? Uh, an honest answer is we don't know. We don't are know. still um, having those conversations. Ultimately, we would love to because it's a platform for these families, which highlights their missing loved ones and the challenges that they're facing in getting resources, whether it's from the media or law enforcement. So we'll see. We'll see. Natalie Wilson, thank you so much for joining me and discussing this very important issue with me and educating my listeners on how they can get involved to help us find us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're tuning into the Gloria Purvis podcast and journeying with me through these important and, well, sometimes challenging conversations. As we near the end of our first podcast season, we would love to hear your feedback on the show. Please take a minute to chime in on our listener survey. We want to hear what you enjoyed, what challenged you, and what you'd like to hear about in future episodes. The link to the survey is in the show notes. And as always, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please share it with a friend or family member. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Gloria underscore Purvis and on Instagram at I am Gloria Purvis. The Gloria Purvis podcast is a production of America Media. It's produced by Maggie Van Dorn and it's engineered by Frank Tucson. You can learn more about America Media at americamagazine.org. We'll see you next time.